Hey guys, it's Chris Bircher back with you at uh, Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 48, Unlearning. All right, it's pretty obvious maybe what I mean by unlearning, uh, but maybe it's not so obvious. And I want to spend some time on a, an element of personal growth or change or um, um, addressing your problems or, or um, healing or whatever you want to call it that I think is a critical, if not the most critical, uh, part of the process. And remember, these these um, episode late 40s episodes, again, this is episode 48, are building up to episode 50, where I'm going to make a little bit of a gear shift and a little bit of a narrowing of focus uh, as I start writing a book and sharing with you the sections of those books and sort of bouncing them off of you and talking them through and uh, releasing sort of... Um, pieces of this bigger uh, product that I think has been evolving over the last 48 episodes in the Curiosity Interview Series. So unlearning. First of all, I think the a major tenet of unlearning is admitting that you don't know everything. Now, as my buddy and Curiosity Interviewee number one, Paul Godola, will say, everybody thinks they're right. Well, you do too. I do too. And so one of the first things we have to do is be willing to accept the fact that we may not be right. So that some of the things that we believe or think are absolute truths may simply be wrong. And so that opens the door for a lot of other possibilities. And that opens the door for releasing your attachment to these beliefs and ideas. That unlearning process. You know, for example, maybe I believe learned to believe early on in life that if... In order for me to feel comfortable, then I had to anticipate other people's needs so that they would be comfortable and not take it out on me. And I, I bought into that wholeheartedly. I sort of, by observation and by deductive reasoning, you know, of an eight-year-old or a six-year-old or a 10-year-old or whatever, I came to the conclusion that in order for my, my life to, <clears throat> excuse me, for in order for my life to be comfortable, that I was going to have to behave a certain way to get certain reactions out of other people in my life. And that was going to result in me being happy. Well, it might have worked in my family, a home, or in school, or whatever, for some short period of time. But fast forward to being in my 40s, and I sort of realized what I was doing, and why am I doing this? Why am I so concerned and aware and, and thinking about everybody else around me and worried so much and tied into their emotions? And who cares? Why do I do this? I can't stop. It's, it's, it's this huge habit. Well, that's something I learned when I was little. And so now I'm, I'm faced with you know, a problem, an observation that doesn't make sense, some cognitive dissonance, dissonance. And what am I supposed to do? Well, the first thing I have to be able to do is make room to, to be wrong. That my old belief that I had to behave a certain way in order for people to love me, or whatever you know yours is, you're not good enough, you're an imposter, you don't deserve this, um, you, you can't make money, whatever... That's simply not true. It's just something that I decided and that I could be wrong and that maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe it worked when I was that age, but now maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe you believe that um, we have to keep non-white people out of America because they're stealing your jobs. Well, you <laughs> there's a lot underneath that. I mean, that's an extreme example. You have to be willing to be wrong about those things. Number one, there's so many things to be wrong about. One, that the color of your skin matters. One, that their country of origin matters. One, that you know immigration is like that all the time. Um, 
whatever, you, you, without the willingness to admit you're wrong, there can be no unlearning, and really there can be no personal growth. And I will argue, and I have in 47 previous episodes and curiosity interviews, that uh, we're probably not right <laughs> about a lot of the things that we think we're right about. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the weird thing about all this is that we would think that to begin with. And I think there's a lot more to it than than just needing to be right about something. You know, maybe I think that bluegrass music is the greatest music there ever was. Well, I mean, that's something that's hard to be right about. But but I, it's also not. It's also easy to argue about. And I could get in, um, you know, arguments with people about whether or not their favorite genre of music is better. I mean, how do you, that gets at the quality episode and so many other things, but it is something that I could feel like I'm right about. And so how I've made peace with that, and I just sort of automatically did this, is to realize that the, the word best in this quality assessment thing, it's not worth the trouble that we spend on it. And so I looked at all my attachments to things that I thought were better than others and just sort of made room Things like religion or spiritual beliefs or genres of music or favorite books or uh, movies. And just I made room for there to be lots of possible favorites for people. And those are just opinions. And that led to like the first episode of facts and, 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 and truths and ideas and opinions and bias and all that. And just said, oh, this is a much easier way to solve that problem. <laughs> Fighting over who's right is not a very good way to solve the problem. Because one, lots of people can be right about different things, and that's what opinions are and beliefs and sort of feelings. People can follow lots of different religions. They can follow their religion to a different degree. I mean, all, all of those things are fine. Um, where, it, where, where it breaks down is when we assign attachments to these things and the belief that they are absolute or correct in uh, all the others are wrong or whatever. That's where I sort of get upset about it and I wish other people would do what I did and just sort of say, make room for lots of other ideas. And then again, to be able to separate out facts and opinions and, and it, and it's, why would we not admit that we could be wrong about our opinions? So I know bluegrass music is not everybody's favorite. In fact, I usually don't even talk about it. Nothing annoys me more than somebody that's into some really obscure thing or even some not that obscure thing and will immediately start to talk to you about their favorite thing as if it were your favorite thing. Uh, sports is a great example. Like, I don't follow sports. I don't know anything about a particular sport, but I have talked to many people who will immediately be like, how about last night's game and then start going into great detail about all these things that I don't know anything about. <laughs> I would never presume that someone had that sort of level of interest in bluegrass music and go up to them randomly and just start immediately talking about some record or you know what I mean does that does, does that make sense um, I realize there's plenty of room for lots of different things and that that's not something but that's a really weird example right because you're not I'm not really wanting to be right about which music is best my beliefs example is much better it's sort of like and, and, and I think the way you start unlearning is, okay, number one, to admit that you might be wrong. And then number two, think about things like, well, why, what do I think are so important? What are my values? We talked about that uh, last episode or a couple episodes ago. Fundamentally, what do I care about and what do I think about all the time? Okay, well, um, maybe I think family is really important and that I want to spend time with my kids 
because I think that's valuable. Or maybe in response to the fact that I didn't get as much attention as I wanted, or I had one parent that was at work, and I wanted I want to create a better balance. I have an idea of what family means, and I want to try to create that or manifest that as much as I can in my life. And so I'm going to behave a certain way because I believe that's important. Okay. Well, I'm totally open to being completely wrong about that. <laughs> I am totally open to getting to my deathbed and, you know, death is my advisor sort of saying, how am, I, how am I going to feel when I look back at my life? Maybe I might say, you know what? I sacrificed too much of myself for my family and I really should have spent more time developing my career or my musical talents or writing or whatever. And I really made a mistake there and I regret not having done that. And this is how I did it. And maybe I was wrong about my belief that I needed to spend so much time with my family. I'm completely open to that. But I'm also on a day-to-day basis, when I check in with my values and myself, I'm more motivated by that belief. And maybe it's not a bullet. Maybe it's a fear. Again, I am willing to be wrong about the idea that I am correct about family being important and spending time with it. I'm totally open to that. But yet, I still choose to do it. And so that, I just create the space in my life as much as I can to just recognize that I might be wrong and to ponder that, but then to to act on it and make a decision. Okay, so that's, that's, you have to look at your values and figure out what, what it's important that you might be wrong about. And one of the big ones that I harp on all the time that I think we all do sort of at midlife is sort of go, why did I become a lawyer? Why did I become a doctor? Why am I a car mechanic? Why, why did I not do something different? How did I get here? Uh, and, and with respect to the, the decisions you make about career after high school, if you finished high school or in high school or in college or whatever it might be, I think a lot of us in our 30s and 40s, the midlife crisis or whatever, sort of look back and say, how did, how did I get here? And an explanation that works for me is that you made decisions that you weren't ready to make. Like my 19-year-old daughter who's like trying to figure out what her major in college is going to be in her second year, going into her second year of college, and sort of understanding and realizing that this decision is going to affect the rest of your life potentially, but yet not really knowing enough about the world or having a skill set to predict how you're going to be in 10 years to make that decision And why would any of us get that decision right? I mean, I've said this before. Why would you let an 18-year-old decide the rest of your life with respect to your career? Now, some people just know, and there is a way to get into a space, I think, which is a lot of what I talk about on here and a lot of what will be in the book, you know, that will try to help people figure this out. How do we really connect with the part of us that will help us make that decision. I think fully believe an 18-year-old can make the decision that will be idealized for that individual person's life with respect to what they're going to study in college or what their future career path might be. One of the things is just admitting that it's not linear, and just because you study pre-med does not mean you're going to be a surgeon until you're 80. Okay, so there's some room there. Um, but But the point is, Looking back on your life and how do you you got to this point, a lot of it was beliefs that you inherited from your parents and your family and your school and this 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 what what Bernard Kutzler from uh, last week's curiosity interview would call the program, you know the things that were taught that we never really spend time thinking about. And so one of the most important elements of unlearning 
is realizing that a lot of what you've learned and what you believe and think, you didn't really assess. You just downloaded it and said, okay, it's like if you're a Republican and you have Republican beliefs, chances are you grew up in a household that was Republican and had Republican beliefs. If you're a Southern Evangelical Baptist Christian, you probably grew up in a household that was Southern Evangelical Baptist Christian. You inherited a lot of what you think about the world and never really decided. You never really were presented with all of the political potential political parties and said, choose. You were never were exposed to all of the potential religions in the world and were invited to choose, right? We bypass that whole part as we're trained to be humans. And, you know, I know this is like tinfoil hat conspiracy theory kind of stuff, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's also just how it works. You know, you learn from the people around you, especially when you're young, maybe up to your teenage years, and certainly we keep, keep learning, but a lot of our early development, a lot of that stuff is, is, is just downloaded directly, and when that's what we know. Uh, take myself, for example. I, I consider myself um, agnostic. I don't know what to believe. I don't choose to believe any one thing. I, I don't think atheism is any more right than any of the other religions, just because it's sort of the belief that there isn't a God. So I just don't know. And that's probably a result of never going to church. You know, I was only exposed to what society exposed me to. I didn't really go and fully have the religious experience. I just saw what other people were going through. And being sort of a a curious observer, I picked up a lot of people not, not really liking church and not really loving the religious experience. And so I just sort of said, well, okay, what's up with that? I just had a neutral opinion. I see that people do it and it's important, but I also hear that people don't like it, so I'm confused. Um, and so, and, and and that's what I do. I'm not like a diehard um, Jewish Hebrew, or you know, I didn't choose to be Muslim. I didn't because I just wasn't exposed to it. And and so, I have to be open to unlearning that, or at least admitting that I didn't make those decisions. I'm a product of my environment. <laughs> I'm the result of the you know opinions that were most influenced me, and that's sort of what I've incorporated to be my beliefs. And all those might be wrong. I may be wrong. The people that taught me might be wrong. And it's and it's not really about being wrong. It's just about maybe I didn't think about. Maybe I never made a decision. So how can you be right or wrong if you never made a decision? If you're sitting down to dinner and all of a sudden a hamburger shows up in front of you, what? That you can't regret the choice because you never made a choice. That's just what you get. The next choice, the choice you have is either to eat it or not, <laughs> or ask for something else. It's not in the same realm of something you decided. And so, how can you be attached to decisions you didn't make? Right? They're just nostalgic. You know, they're just habits. They're just comfortable old T-shirts that somebody gave you. And just because it has an old REM record on it doesn't mean you have to be an REM fan. You didn't buy it. You didn't choose it. So that attachment is weird. You know, it's like an attachment to a generation before us. It's an attachment to our identity that we never thought about in the first place. It was an inherited identity that was handed to us. So... (laughs) That's a lot. This is 15 minutes on just the unlearning part. Um, you have to be ready and willing to just to, to, to release the attachment to old beliefs and things that you think are your independent thoughts. Uh, and, I, and I don't even know why that 
is worth saying out loud because to me it ought to be completely obvious. The hard part is realizing that this isn't you. You know, this isn't the you. It's like uh, somebody said one time, you aren't the voice talking to yourself in your head. You're the one listening. You aren't the uh, evangelical uh, Southern Baptist Christian. You are the person who, who was exposed to other people like that in your life. And um, what's the word? Like uh, drafted. That's not the right word I'm looking for. It incorporated into that group because of your mere presence. And so think about this. You appear in the world. And you're immediately being acted on by all of the people who are going to be in your life, your guardians, your, 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 your parent, whatever, whatever the people who raise you that are going to be around you. The people who spend the most time around you are going to influence you. Uh, and, ver- and very rarely, I mean, you don't even have free will for the first several years of your life. So you can't, you can't consent to any of these changes. I don't need to wear a diaper. I don't need to be circumcised. You don't have those choices, right? It's, 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 it's implied upon you. And there's nothing nefarious or evil or wrong about that. It's just you have to recognize and accept that in order to start the process of saying, well, what do I really want? What do I really know? Now go back through your life and say, what do I, what do, I do every day? Well, I eat. I go to the bathroom. What are the habits associated with that? Why do I eat for Lucky Charms for breakfast every morning? Maybe I ought to eat fruit. You know, why do I wipe my hand, my butt with toilet paper? Why don't I use a bidet or my hand? You know, why why do I go for a walk? Why don't I exercise? How come I'm obese? You know, these things all come down to your training and your indoctrination into the world in order to be an independent human being. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. All I'm saying is it's, I, I think we, des- we owe it to ourselves to ponder these things and actually figure out what it is that we like to learn what we want to learn, uh, to be the people that we want to be. And, and, and also, maybe more importantly, some of the issues, the cognitive dissonance, the discomfort, the suffering that we have may be related to these things. Maybe you were just assigned a program or a belief that just doesn't fit. Maybe you grew up in a racist household, but you work with a bunch of people that are not of your race, and you're really uncomfortable because you like them, and you feel like you want to be a part of their lives, but then you have this thing that you can't, and maybe you want to date somebody from a different, um, that has a different color skin, and your parents don't like that, and it, it, it creates a dissonance, and maybe you need to go back and ask yourself what you, how you feel about skin color and whether or not that's something that's important to you. That's the kind of thing I think every individual person on this planet ought to do, ought to be curious about, will benefit from that type of analysis. And so in order to do that, that's sort of the unlearning process, right, is saying, is recognizing that you think a certain way about a certain thing, opening up the doors um, and instead of being attached to that one thing, to learn about what the other elements that all have to do with that. Like, what are the other options with respect to this? Um, you know, I only eat tomatoes. What are the other food types? <laughs> you know, I don't like uh, people with um, yellow skin. What are the other options? Oh, I can like people. Uh, oh, skin color cannot matter. Oh, I can only like people with brown. Oh, I can only like people with white skin. Well, you know, there are other options in there that you may have never thought about. Some of this stuff might be completely obvious and not worth pursuing, 
Other things are going, you're going to find, especially related to your values and the things that you are feel yourself most attached to, most frustrated by, or thinking about on a relatively regular basis, you, <laughs> you might benefit from deciding what you really like. You know, like, um, do you really like uh, heavy metal music, or is it just the fact that your dad played in a heavy metal band and that's all you listened to your whole life, and you never really gave any of the other music genres a shot? Maybe there's other things out there that will change your life. Maybe you'll hear a flautist and be like, "Oh my God, that's the most beautiful sound I've ever heard." I'm learning flute tomorrow, and then with a couple of ye- within a couple of years, you've created a whole program and uh, recorded albums of flute music. I, I don't know. Um, why, why would you think that the first food you're ever offered is going to be your favorite, right? Why would you not want to try other kinds of foods? Why would you not want to know what other kind of foods are out there? I mean, I'm not judging you or, or saying that everyone should go through this process, but I do believe there is a link between our suffering, discomfort, maladies, anxiety, all those types of things, and the, the training, learning, indoctrination, and programming we received as kids, and the fact that some of that may not line up, and that as adults with free will and information and you know, the ability to assess the different things and make our own decisions might not benefit from going through the main parts of our lives and just sort of saying what else is available, remove the attachment from your belief, which is the unlearning process, right? It's not necessarily going to be a different decision. Maybe at the end of the day, you're going to decide, yep, heavy metal is is all there is and it's all I care about. And so, you know, you just go right back where you were. But the unlearning process is just being able to relax the attachment, open <laughs> dare I say, your mind to other potential elements related to this subject. You know, think outside the box, fold the flaps of the box down so that you can see the other things, talk to people who might know, watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts, read books, expose yourself to more information, and then invite these things into your life and make a decision about it. I mean, that's, yeah. I think unlearning is the process both of identifying the things that you might have never thought about why you believe and why you're attached to them and why they're part of your identity, and then looking at the bigger picture and other choices, and then simply putting that into a different context, making a decision uh, with free will, uh, and, and, and sort of at the same time, realizing that attachment to any one of those things may be a little uncomfortable or close-minded. And maybe at the end of the day, the, this, this process, I wonder if it doesn't just make us more tolerant and open and empathetic and universal and connected, right? I mean, that's where I'm going with this. <laughs> And uh, we'll talk a little bit about this in episode 49. Next week, I will release what might be the last Curiosity interview with uh, Marcus Himmela, um, who's a a highly motivating presence uh, on TikTok 
and Instagram right now. And I'm really happy that we got a chance to talk. And then we'll be hitting episode 50, uh, which will be the beginning of the next phase of knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. And I know if you've made it this far in the video, you must be uh, someone who really is interested in this. And I, I hope that you ch will choose to follow me um, or follow my, follow my blog, follow uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow the videos so that you can be a part of this next phase, especially if you've been around for any amount of time thus far. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I really, I can't tell you how much it means to me to think that other people might be listening to this and especially benefiting from it in some way. So I'm Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This has been episode 48, Unlearning. Good luck with the process. I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.